is the wonderful David Huntsberger. Hello. Hi. Well, that was very touching. Uh, thank you, by the way. You were very normal when we met. Uh, and I'm imagining for a lot of you, like, oh, I thought I'd be someone famous. <laughs> Some obscure performers. It is wonderful to be here, and uh, it is, I know there are some photos being taken, but I kind of like that all of us are not taking them, so we'll just only share this as a little memory, which I think is one of the coolest parts of the French. It's just this weird ambiance in here. It's gorgeous. They're like, we're all in a dream to some degree. Um, I suppose I should probably get on. I, I'm trying to stall because my story is not nearly as heavy as the night has been thus far. I don't have a lot of weight to that. I, um, I like watching people fall down and I hate to admit that to a group of strangers. I'm sure there are some of you that can relate to that on some level. It's a, it's, a, it's a very vulnerable thing to reveal. Like, I never don't laugh, regardless of who it is. If there's an old lady, bag of apples, I'm hysterically giggling. And I'll help, but not until after. <laughs> that was free entertainment. That was terrific. And that's happened a lot in my life. It, I saw someone fall once, and it only stands out to me because it was the one time ever I didn't laugh uh, because I mostly just heard it. I was kind of in a bad mood just walking along, and then I peripherally saw something and then just heard, boom! <laughs> it was hard. I raced up there, no laughter. It occurred to me as I was like, are you okay? I was like, who am I all of a sudden? You don't piss the lady up. And then she was the best. She got up, she kind of dusted herself off, and she just goes, I didn't even put my arms out. She was just so frazzled by herself, and it made me like her so much. She was not embarrassed at all. She was looking at her arms like, where were you on that one? <laughs> and it's, a long, it's hard to land chest first if you're falling. Your arms just have to be like, nope, not getting involved. So she fell, and like, I called my sister and told her about it. Like, this person fell, and I didn't laugh at all. She's like, are you, are you okay? You're doing it. Yeah, I think I'm the same person. But she is kind of my, in those scenarios, my sister's the person who, I, it's nice to have, if you have something that makes you feel like a bit like a psychopath or sociopath, when someone falls and you look over across the room like, we both enjoy this. <laughs> it's nice to have, you need that in life, you need like that connectivity, and that's always my sister, just any level, yep, we all saw that, we're gonna laugh about this later. It feels really great, because we grew up in um, my dad's side of the family, very traditional, like my grandfather was in World War II, always got up, combed his hair, tucked in his shirt, very just, regimented up at the same time every day. Saturday was his day that he'd let himself be casual and he would wear like jeans and a, like a checkered shirt. Easy, take it easy. <laughs> really living on those Saturdays. And uh, so that's, and he and my grandmother were from that era when they didn't say I love you a whole lot. And when we were, my sister and I were there, it was always kind of on edge. Like, oh man, don't screw anything up, don't touch anything, don't make sure your shirt's tucked in. It was just kind of uncomfortable. Never saying I love you a lot. Just at most when she, my grandmother would like clear his plate, there would just be kind of maybe a head touch. Like, ooh, look at this display. Keep it, keep it together, you guys. And so just being around that, it, we had a lot of those moments where something funny would happen. We, my sister and I would make eye contact across the table. Like, that was great. Um, my grandmother, again, was never saying I love you. I tried it one time. I was like 18, and I thought, she can't dictate this whole relationship. I'm going to, at some point, let her know how I feel about her. And I was leaving the house, and I thought, I'm doing it. And she was at the door, 
And I said, uh, I had my bags, and I turned around, and I said, all right, bye, Grandma. I love you. And she went, all right, and closed the door. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what an asshole. Uh, but then, like, a week or two later, I was, uh, I called, and my aunt answered the phone, and um, we were chatting a bit, and my grandmother got on the phone, and they gave it back to my aunt. And then I heard the phone getting rustled away, and my grandmother went, Love you, Dave. And then my hand the phone back like it was ever made. <laughs> but she got it, so she brought herself to it. was really nice, like we, this level of love. And, uh, but she, she had COPD. She smoked, and like, it wasn't going great, and she had to use this like, breathalyzer or ventilate, whatever it is. Like, it's gross. And she'd be on this machine, always reading books. And we'd always have these like, great conversations, and like, seeing that diminish a little bit. It was just strange. It just put a weird energy in the in this house that we'd gone to for years. It's kind of like this this era was coming to a close. My grandparents' home was no longer going to be around. And um, she really wanted to make it through the holidays. And this was, like, I think right after Thanksgiving, maybe the day after. She'd made it. We had a great day, and everything was fine. And like she didn't have one of her episodes. She was breathing okay. It was going nice. And then that morning, we were all there. It was kind of like, you know, Thanksgiving is sort of this regimented, I don't know, it's almost like a marine operation. Fill up your plate and then... There's something weird about it. So the next day was more casual. My, my grandfather wasn't in the jeans and stuff, but still had that vibe, had that Saturday vibe. We're all just kind of hanging out, and and uh, my cousin was there, and he made some eggs and put a little garlic in them, which that had never been done. This was like a big wool garlic in the eggs. What's happening here? And then he took off. We're all just kind of hanging out, eating a little bit more of the food, and uh, my grandmother had like an episode. She had to go back to their bedroom. And suddenly the mood dramatically changed. It was just this like heavy sort of, oh, this is brutal. Everyone just sitting there kind of still and uncomfortable. They all go back in the back room. The paramedics show up. They race back there. Mostly it's just like me and my sister and my aunt kind of trying to make small talk. And then my aunt goes back and it's just me and my sister. And my grandfather comes out, who has shown no emotion in my lifetime. And he's clearly rattled. And he comes over to the, the countertop which there's a counter here and you can see kind of over into the dining room. I'm standing back over here by the sink like this, just kind of hanging, that looked pretty cool, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm standing there like this, like just kind of chatting with my sisters on the other side of this island and the, the eggs are here, I suppose. I don't know why they became such a central focus in this story. But the eggs are there and there's some juice and my grandfather comes around to this side and he's just kind of shaking and it's the most emotion I've seen from him in my life. He's not saying anything about it, but he's shoveling eggs onto a plate. And he's like clumsily sort of pouring juice into a cup. And my sister and I are kind of looking at each other like, what is going on? And he starts shoveling in eggs into his mouth and he's shaking. And then he's just powering down juice to just, he's legitimately trying to force his feelings down and not feel anything. And my sister and I are trying to keep it kind of light. And she's going, hey, Grandpa, I, I think that I heard read somewhere that the Japanese said it's bad to stand while you eat. So he, like, ah, that was a good effort. Like, just trying to get him to slow down and relax a little bit, calm down. And then, like I said, I'm standing over here, and this happens very quickly. It's going to make it sound like I'm the worst, but he started to fall back. But your instincts when someone sways are not immediately to jump over and catch them. It just looks like they're doing this. It's in that next little bit of space when they go further that your brain goes, oh, sh they're falling. But then it's too late to do anything, so you just kind of just watch a grown man fall backwards like a tree, and I miss it. I didn't get to be the hero. I just, it just happened so quickly. Like, <gasps> he hits his head on the shelving here and is out. This old dude is just laid out like, 
kind of cartoonishly with his chin tucked in like this, eyes totally closed. I see this happen. I look down at him, look up and make eye contact with my sister. For the first time in our lives, we don't do it. There's just this look of like, not right now. <laughs> this is too important. And then there's a secondary like satisfaction, like, hey, look at us growing up a little bit. <laughs> and so we go, what do we do? What do we do? There are paramedics already in the house. We got another one! We got a second one! So she races off to get the most convenient paramedics that have ever happened. She runs 30 feet away to go get them. So I, like, check with the old man, like, can you hear me? Can you, can you see me? Nothing. He's totally out. I drag it away, which I don't know how safe that is, but I feel like his throat being kind of constricted, it can't be good. And he's laying there, and I full-on start doing, like, the, don't you go dying on me! And, like, this old man wakes up. His eyes open up. And he lives. He comes back to life. And forever after that, when that story would come up, he would look at me and go, were you around for that? Like, I'm the reason you're telling that story. I was a hero on that one. So the paramedics come out and they get him up and they're checking him out and all this stuff. And then he and my grandmother left in his and hers ambulances. Which is the most romantic thing I've ever seen in my life. So I suppose he was, it, to tie it into the lost and found, he was in the process of losing something that you know is going to go away, which I think is just the most, it's the saddest. It's one of the hardest ones to deal with, to watch it and just try to keep holding on to this sort of dandelion that flutters away. And um, he told me at one point, right after that, like, I don't know where your grandmother is, but I don't believe in an afterlife. Why? What? Where is this coming from? This is such a strange thing for an older man to say out of nowhere. I think he was just trying to kind of find his own way to find her. Like, he didn't really know what that meant. Um, so I, I didn't know what to say about that. I just kind of took it in. Like, yeah, I, I don't know either. And I thought, well, that's weird, but I guess he's comfortable in that, that it's just kind of the end and it's darkness. And then, like a year later at the next Thanksgiving, out of nowhere, we're all sitting there, the whole family around this big table, he just asked everyone to look up to the sky to my grandmother, which sounds kind of romantic, but just imagine a whole table full of people all just going, no praying, no words out loud, just the, the weirdest cultish thing I've ever been a part of in my life. But hopefully in that moment, he uh, found her a little bit again or whatever. And um, probably not the best way to end the story with saying, or whatever. But you get the idea. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me.